Oh my god, hi, welcome back to Boo. <laughs> Does this work for people? Boo? Be okay, okay, okay. We're gonna call it Boo because this podcast is my boo. I sound like a teacher. Anyway, um hi, how are you? I'd like to check in with y'all. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. I I don't know what to say. <laughs> I want to start off with like what the episode's going to be about, but I also want to start off with a little intro. Um, I guess I'll talk about what happened like not even a little while ago because I am recording this like at four o'clock on the day of release, which is irresponsible of me, I know, but I kind of did put it off a little bit. Um, so I was talking, talking, dare I say talking, there was this tweet, right? Metro UK was talking about white privilege in the gay community oh we're getting right into it yep we are getting right into this um and i was like oh yeah that's the thing that exists okay look in the comments surely people agree right literally like no comments agreeing all of them were like metro uk is just trying to divide us this article is trying to divide people are further dividing us and i'm like all right go on these people profiles all white (laughs) all of them are white um presumably none of them are well not none of them but presumably some of them aren't even like in the queer community they're just regular people trying to sound woke right but i mean come on (laughs) listen there are people on this world there are white gay men on this world who use black scent it's very it's very bizarre to see that happen because there are still like so many white gays that like I, I guess they think that being gay absolves them of any other kind of like discrimination discrimination they could have on other people it's very weird um i've i've seen this in so many different forms um but that's kind of what this episode is about. Not not the not the white privilege part, but it is about a very specific form of discrimination during Pride Month, which is about um, neurodiversity. It's about neurodiversity. It's about ableism. It's about you know not even just systemic ableism, but you know diversity pride during Pride Month. It you know there's this very very hot term. I don't just mean hot like pretty. I mean hot like it's catching on a lot now. Um, called neuroqueer. So. I honestly don't know like where or like who it came from, but neuroqueer.com will tell you a neuroqueer individual is any individual whose identity, selfhood, gender performance, and or neurocognitive style have in some way been shaped by their engagement in practice of neuroqueering, regardless of what gender, sexual orientation, or style of neurocognitive functioning they may have been born with. I'll link the article because i did just find it um but it's a very interesting topic i wanted to talk about it this week because i feel like a lot of times people in the disability community get left out and people think that you know events like pride month um bring everybody together the truth is that's not the case um a lot of times unfortunately disabled people are left out of it and this is something i have not openly shared i don't think um until this podcast but i'm on the spectrum which is great you know 
I say great because I think it is kind of cool. I think it's amazing. All right. I think it's cool. Um, but then there are other times where it's absolutely not cool. And, you know, I've internalized a very large amount of ableism as it relates to being autistic. And, you know, you see this all the time. All right. I will just say that this happens all the time. I guess this is my rant for the week, but I do want to start with one of the things that like greatly affects people on the spectrum a lot of the times, which is just existing in the social landscape. It is hell sometimes. All right. And I would know because that has happened to me quite a lot of times. I just struggle socially. All right. There are times where that happens. There are times where I don't understand like certain cues i don't always understand certain inflections of things i don't always like understand a lot of you know different ways to process social interactions and the part of the reason i know this is because people make a point to tell me people love doing this i've seen this not even with just myself but with other people in various different spaces they're always like you're so awkward why are you so sensitive why can't you take this joke it's like brother half of the time i don't even register it as a joke right away all right (laughs) half of the time i don't know if you're being serious if you're being joking if you're being playful i don't know all of the time and you know because i don't know all the time people immediately are like oh you're so awkward you're so awkward you're so so awkward and listen here's the thing with that that whole system of being awkward that was created inside of this this assumption that everybody is socially on the same level with each other that everybody has the same level of social development with other people their age or like in the same space as them that shit is from ableism bro like there's no other way around it that is from an ableist rhetoric that you know everybody assumes that we're all on the same development level that we can process social social interactions the same way it's 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 ridiculous and like you know you can't tell somebody this because oftentimes they'll just think you're being sensitive like it it, it's it's really a full circle thing and i mean to be honest there are plenty of people in my life who have in the past said stuff like have pointed out my social insecurities and like certain flaws and certain characteristics of my disability. And it's, it's tiring. It is very tiring. You know, when people don't want to, they don't even want to, you know, learn anything or get more understanding of why I process things certain ways. They don't want to understand why, you know, my mood shifts or how it shifts or if it shifts at all. You know, they don't understand why not every autistic person wants to make eye contact all the time. They don't get these things. They don't get what it means to be overstimulated, but they'll say that they are because they're, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. If you're one of those people, (laughs) fuck right off for real. I, I, I don't know what else to say to you. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't, it's, it's a weird space to be in because I I really don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around you. It's it's simple as that. You know, there've been plenty of times where, you know, especially in some undisclosed workspaces they would tout it as like a safe space for everybody. It's a safe space for people with disabilities, both, you know, visible and invisible that is complete bull that is complete bull um 
because those same spaces again here we go there's always somebody who's like you're awkward you can't do this you can't do that like people will call you out on characteristics that you know obviously you didn't know you're aware of it right like you couldn't possibly know and i guess that's the other thing too with ableism is like people leave us out of a lot of stuff because they assume that you know we have no autonomy they assume that we don't know things about ourselves and they assume that we can't speak on behalf of those things they just assume and so they won't include us in anything they won't include us in pride month they won't include us in they won't even include us in autism awareness month they won't include us in disability pride month plenty of people still don't even know that those things exist and so for somebody to say something like that you know even on the tiniest level even if they think they're not doing any harm it's harmful for a lot of for a lot of people with neurological disabilities it's harmful and so there have been times where i just didn't feel safe really you know around certain people or in certain spaces and not safety as in like I'm worried they're going to physically harm me, right? Like that was never a concern for me, but there was always this uneasy feeling of like, I really have to watch what I'm saying. I really have to tone police myself because if I don't, if I, God forbid, let the true parts of my identity shine through or whatever the hell, then, you know, somebody's going to say shit about it. You know, also it is raining heavily right now. So if you hear any rain, that is why. Um, but yeah, honestly, I don't know what it is about me this week, but I am really not afraid to call out some people. I could call them out by name if I wanted to. I'm not going to do that, but I will say if that was you, I don't, I don't need your support on this podcast. You can stop listening right now. Actually, you can just go, um, maybe go and like, you know, do some research about this kind of stuff, you know, maybe don't rely on me as a source when for the last, however long you were talking about how awkward I was, because clearly you don't care about my input. You know, or, you know, maybe call out your, your, call out your friends, call out your family members who's saying some ableist shit instead of just laughing at it. I've always, I've noticed this. Some spaces, you know, disability is reduced down to who can be the funniest about it, right? Which neurotypical person can make the funniest joke about a neurodivergent person? That's what it is half the time, you know, and it's not, it's, it's not fucking funny to us. Like, I'm sorry. It's not you're not funny your joke is not relevant your take is not hot it's it's an ice cold take all right and it's shitty and it's trashy and we see you um but guess what we're too scared to call you out because you don't do you won't do anything you won't do anything except say i'm sensitive you won't do anything except call out other parts of my identity you'll do deflection you'll do all of this other stuff so that you don't have to put up with the fact that you're ableist and that you perpetuate that because the last thing that you would want to do is be held accountable, right? That's not what you, that's not what you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that's just my rant for this week. I just, I'm kind of angry to be honest, like looking back now that I'm like switching to another job right now, um, I'm in that process still, but you know, I guess reflecting on how certain things have been, it was very shitty. And like, I will say also, you know, part of why I encourage people to maybe at least get a glimpse of what social justice work looks like is because that shit is non-existent. Well, it might be existent, but in, in my experience, at least, you know, nobody's ever told me 
nobody's ever said shit about you know my disability or characteristics of my disability now granted you know it's not always you know visible with me but when it is and when it does come through and when i have trouble processing stuff people in that landscape they're just chilling (laughs) they're fine with it they understand i guess on some kind of unspoken level and that's why i encourage everybody to like at least look into that kind of stuff and like even just to see what it looks like because literally like the people i work with in, in social justice are like some of the best people i've ever worked with ever you know i still have yet to see somebody in that space you know make fun of me or like you know mock certain you know speech patterns or you know if i stutter or something like that you know people don't mock that in that space people don't make fun of certain characteristics of neurodiversity in that space because they know that's not fucking acceptable so that's why i say you know maybe maybe just you know look into that if you're still having trouble because honestly like I don't know why I'm so angry again, um, but I do think it's justified. I will always think it's justified because I'm kind of tired of having to sit people down and be like, hey, you shouldn't say that. You're a grown adult. You like to, to pretend you're adult. You like to act like you're more adult than me. So, you know, why aren't you owning up to that? Like, I don't have time for that anymore. So I'm kind of just skipping all the steps. And I'm now at the step where I'm like, fuck you. I don't need your support. Because you were clearly not going to give it to me anyway. And you were just going to continue to put down me and other people that, you know, have the same condition as me. You won't change. And maybe that's me being a little bit cynical or whatever. But it's like, you know, you had all this time to change and you're still not going to do it. Why should I believe that it'll happen? I'll believe it when you actually put forward the actions and you come back with some level of decency. All right. Because the ableism that you've inflicted upon me is now something i've unfortunately internalized and i'm working hard to keep from perpetuating that's an unfortunate reality that you probably weren't even aware of so with that said (laughs) personal rants aside um how does this how does this relate to, to to pride how does this relate to queer identities in a qu- in quite a big way, um, we're gonna explore a lot of that this episode because, you know, I really think it's 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 fucking amazing, honestly, how a lot of the neurodivergent community has kind of come together at the intersection of queerness. I think that's amazing. I think that's so beautiful. Like, you know, because a lot of the times, again, people just assume that like we don't know what anything about ourselves. Or they, we don't know like how to speak up or like how to talk about certain things when that's just not true. Like, I don't know if y'all have watched this Netflix show recently called Love on the Spectrum. Fucking amazing. All right. I I don't know what it is about it, but like, obviously some of these, some of the people that they, that they have in the episodes, I watched them and I was like, oh my God, that's like me on a date sometimes. (laughs) Like, it was refreshing. I will say that it was refreshing to see something like that. And for me to kind of feel that on some kind of level of like relation that I was like, Oh my God, this is not, this is not just something I live with. Obviously that's the case that I'm not the only one that lives with this, but it's just like refreshing to see that in action, you know, but you know, this episode talking about being neuroqueer, talking about, you know, different 
parts of disability talking about disability pride straight up by itself because that is in july i believe that is in july so i do want folks to be aware of that this year i don't know who is and who isn't but if you're not aware of it get informed because you know again it's not my job to inform you so this is very much something that i have chosen to do out of the kindness of my heart but anyways <laughs> um this is be okay 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 i hope you enjoy this episode thank you You know what? It is kind of hard to date as a neurodivergent person sometimes. Um, I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it, really. Um, but I guess I will. I, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit and talk about how it affects me. So I just want to be very careful with the language that I use, because I feel like some people still kind of think about autism on a spectrum like there's low functioning there's high functioning and then there's this area in between and you have to fall in one of these spaces right which you know several people have debunked this already that the whole functioning thing is just really outdated it's really antiquated it's not it's not necessary and it's it's harmful in a lot of ways to talk in those terms so i'm trying to think of like what to use in place of that and i'm kind of thinking like maybe intensity of how it affects you or like in certain areas how does it affect you i think maybe i'll go with that and then i guess if folks want to maybe add their own stuff i'll have like a q a or something you know down in the spotify page if i can figure that out anyway so yes i'm on the autism spectrum i remember i, I don't know why i remember this so vividly but like, I remember being in my therapist's office like five, six years ago, probably sooner. And we talked about Asperger's and like, you know, there's a very real reality that, you know, I have Asperger's. And I remember I laughed for some reason. I laughed so hard. I don't know why. I don't know if it was because I was nervous or because I didn't know how to respond, but I was just like, I was yucking it up. Like I was, <laughs> I was laughing. And and then afterwards I was like, I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't feel that different. Cause like I was 12, I 12, 13. I don't know. I was around that age. I was in middle school. All right. And I didn't really know how that like affected me. Um, but now that I'm older, you know, I'm 20 now and I'm a lot more aware of how, you know, having ASD affects me. And a lot of it is on the social level. So, you know, like I said earlier, I have a lot of trouble sometimes with social cues, with like social interactions. Sometimes I'll stutter, you know, when I'm talking in social settings. It's really weird, but a lot of the time my ASD is just in that space, right? Um, there are some times where you know, I'm obsessed with like routines. I know a lot of the times with people with ASD, um, you know, routines are everything like routines thrown off a little bit that could ruin your whole day. And I do get that way sometimes, but it's definitely something I've kind of 
worked with and like managed because um you know i'm also i'm also concurrent with anxiety and depression disorder and that's something a lot of people with autism have too is like you know it's sometimes you just have autism but a lot of the time it is also concurrent with anxiety depression you know different um, conditions like that and you know there's this growing conversation about how you know asd intersects at other different things and that's just kind of how it affects me is just mostly socially sometimes with you know routines and like patterns and stuff like that um but there's also this element of you know i tell somebody and they're like oh no i I didn't believe that i wouldn't believe that like you know the classic like you're autistic never i would never believe that like (laughs) save that all right that's a whole thing where it's like but you don't look autistic okay cool what does an autistic person look like because if we're being real if you have to ask that question your view of somebody with autism is probably very antiquated all right you probably got a lot of catching up to do buddy if you think if you think it's cool to ask that question um so maybe just work on not doing that (laughs) it's really weird because like what do i even say to that it's like i'm autistic and then somebody comes up and it's like what you don't look autistic though what do i say (laughs) how do i respond i don't even know man and i know you know in some in some queer communities that's a very real reality too where it's like you know you come out as lgbt and somebody is like well i didn't i didn't know i would never have guessed you don't look it what does a gay person look like somebody tell me when you think of a gay person what does it look like does it look like a regular ass person who could be anybody they could be they could be wearing any outfit they could be any body type they could have any voice register because let's be real do you think of that kind of person or do you think of a skinny white twink with blonde hair who is who has a lisp and talks and like walks in a feminine way because that is that is the identity for some folks but i mean me look at me you know i'm not always the most gay presenting person um on the speaking in binary terms i am a little bit more on the masculine side sometimes but there are some times that i'm more on the feminine side it's very strange because i think that you know the queer community you know we have a lot of we had a lot of work to do with our infighting to be honest you know there's still a, a very big part of the community i fear that has a very strong attachment to binaries and for a community that rejects binaries or at least says they reject binaries we got to work on it because you know there's no reason we still need to be you know instilling stereotypical views on gay cis men for example you know where there's this maybe not expectation but there's this idea that if you are a gay cis man you are feminine acting you have you know you wear a certain wardrobe you wear certain colors you're a certain body type you can't be fat you have to be skinny you have to be slightly toned it's like that's not everybody's reality (laughs) and then even on top of this other other intersection where it's like you have to be confident you have to have social confidence you have to be socially developed you cannot be neurodivergent because that's weird like that's a very real thought that some people have all right so let's get that out of the way 
And so this is just the whole conversation of just leaving out neurodivergent queer people in your quote unquote activism. I will never call somebody an activist if they leave out, you know, certain people. That's just not how it works. You're also not an activist if you post something on your story. All right. You're not an activist. You're not an advocate. You're not any of those things that you would think you are. Don't compare yourself to somebody who goes out and, you know, risks their life at a protest. Don't compare yourself to somebody that is going to demonstrations or anything like that. You know, it's not respectful to the work that other people are doing. Like, it's that simple. But then on the other side, you know, we also got to make room for not everybody can do that. You know, not everybody can attend a, you know, rally or a protest. Not everybody has the opportunity to go to their senator's office or to call their senator, you know. So it's a very it's a very fine balance that we've got to find. And I'm still working on finding that, to be honest, um, because I know you know, because I know I've got to be very careful at protests sometimes, you know, not just the whole safety thing, but also the whole comfort thing. You know, a lot of the times these protests down here, you are shoulder to shoulder, literally, with sometimes hundreds, thousands of people. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of chanting. There's a lot of solidarity, but that comes at the cost of there will be noise. Not everybody with ASD is comfortable in those spaces. I know I certainly am not always comfortable with that. You know, back when I was working um, food service, there's a lot of beeping, there's a lot of talking, there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of, you know, different things being asked of you at one time. And, you know, not everybody is in a position where they are comfortable with all of that happening. I was barely in that position. All right. <laughs> I honestly don't know how I lasted as long as I did, but however, um, you know, we just have to make room for all of this stuff and being neuroqueer, I think is a really great way of doing it. You know, I was reading a lot of the article that I will quote, or I'll, I'll put this in the description of the podcast, of course, but it's called neuroqueer an introduction by Nick Walker, PhD. And I actually think it's fucking amazing. Um, a little, little biography says um, Nick Walker is a queer transgender autistic writer and educator whose work explores the edges and intersections of somatic psychology, depth psychology, queer theory, neurodiversity, and creative transformation. And like, holy shit, I really encourage people to read this article um, because, you know, being neuroqueer, I know it sounds a lot like just the intersection of being neurodivergent and you know having a queer identity it is so much more than that all right she talks a lot about neuroqueer as a verb so defining it as like the practice of queering subverting defined disrupting liberating oneself from neuronormativity and heteronormativity simultaneously that's amazing and like honestly in a lot of ways i did not consider that I will be real. I did not consider that at all um, because, you know, I just thought it was something that just happened. Right. Um, you know, just being neurodivergent and queer at the same time. I didn't always consider it as like literally liberating myself from heteronormativity and like neuronormativity. Right. But then um, I remember, honestly, just like a lot of studies coming out recently, um, especially around how um, neurodivergent people are like 
far more likely to express uh, queer identities and like gender non-conforming identities as with their neurotypical counterparts. And I was thinking like, holy shit, you know, where are these folks representation at Pride? You know, and even before all of that, you know, people still like to people still like to think about you know, if I call something like this out, then that means I don't support the queer community when I'm literally in it, but whatever. Um, but it's like, it doesn't mean that I hate necessarily any single part about the queer community. It just means that I want it to be better and I want it to be more inclusive. And part of that inclusivity is understanding the complexities and the intricacies of what it means to be neuroqueer and to be neurodivergent during pride month you know and not everybody is open to understanding that and at that point it's just a conversation on ableism to be honest like ableism exists all right it exists in all communities and i will be real queer community is no exception you know i remember um probably like a year ago if not a little bit longer um you know, I would go on dates with guys and, um, you know, being neurodivergent and then being neurotypical, it was always kind of a very weird, you know, experience at times because a lot of the times I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to fill the dead space. And for some neurotypical people that comes so naturally. And so I don't want to have to explain that I have, you know, um, I'm on the spectrum because then what if that turns them off or what if that turns them away or what if they don't talk to me again, which has happened a number of times. I remember one of my exes, terrible person, Jesus, but you know, every time, well, most times we would have an argument or like talk about something. He would always bring up like, oh, you said you have autism, right? You said you have autism, right? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> this is the same person who was like, I will accept you for any form that you have or like whatever condition you live with. They'll say that. But then he was also like, you have autism. You have autism. Didn't know. Maybe it's because you have autism that you're acting like this. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I left him, of course, because he was also homophobic and said being gay is a choice i chose to be gay that's another that's another issue <laughs> but um you know it's just really important that we kind of consider all of those things all of those intricacies so um dr walker actually has like a little list of things of like what it means to neuroqueer uh, the first of which being being both neurodivergent and queer with some degree of conscious awareness and or active exploration around how these two aspects of one's being entwine and interact or are perhaps mutually constitutive <laughs> and inseparable to embodying and expressing one's neurodivergence in ways that also queer one's performance of gender, sexuality, ethnicity, and or other aspects of one's identity. Third, engaging in practices intended to undo and subvert one's own cultural conditioning and one's ingrained habits of neuronormative and heteronormative performance with the aim of reclaiming one's capacity to give more expression or more for more full expression to one's uniquely weird potentials and inclinations. Um, that's just the first, you know, three steps of the eight step or like eight part, you know, way that you know, you're neuroqueering. 
but really what i was getting from this was just like you know you are embracing your queerness and your neurodiversity or you're just exploring it and you know i was thinking like that's very refreshing honestly it's very liberating to be able to do that because you know i will say this we're an enabled society and enable a society will tell you don't explore these parts of yourselves don't explore them they're just despair they're just sad they're unnecessary they're burdenous to other people you know people will tell you that even if they don't tell you that explicitly if you're neurodivergent or you have neurodivergent traits they will in some form tell you that exploration of your identity is invalid and so you know it's really cool honestly that i I'm at a place where I can explore that part of myself because honestly, that's kind of an act of resistance really, you know, um, because for a lot of the times in a lot of different systems, they will tell you again, just don't bother. Don't dabble in that kind of exploration. Don't even dabble in queer explore exploration. Um, but let alone, you know, neurodivergent, you know, don't embrace this part of yourself. And I, I will embrace it you know and not only that it's important for me to embrace both at the same time and i'm hoping you know for any other neuroqueer folks out there um that this resonates in a way um i really hope that it's comforting to know that you know like i say basically every fucking week is you know it's not only you you're not alone right that doesn't make you unspecial but you know, ableism is very real. And if you needed to hear something like this, at least hear this part is that you are not the only one facing this. And there is a whole community behind you that is willing to listen to you and to understand your struggles. Even if it's not your coworkers, even if it's not your family or friends, there is a whole neurodivergent community. All right, let me talk about that for a minute because Instagram, hashtag actually autistic, best resource if you're looking for more information on that all right best resource i've seen on instagram so far um there's probably other ones but like people use that hashtag all the time to post like informational pieces or like biographies about themselves or like what they're doing right now even just like what their favorite shit is it's like amazing it's really refreshing and cool um and then there's probably some stuff on twitter or stuff like that but i really don't know <laughs> of that much to be honest um but you know, that's really kind of just the spirit of neuroqueer, right? Is just being proud of both of your identities and how they intersect at the same time. And, you know, I know a large part of people who are listening and maybe aren't neurodivergent are thinking like, well, what do I do with this info? What do you do with this info? Quiz yourself on that first. Um, and then listen to my answer, which is, you know, be an ally, you know, it really is that simple. Um, just be a fucking ally. Just be a decent person. You know, if somebody is saying some sus shit about neurodivergent people or if somebody's using harmful or offensive language, call them out. I know it's like kind of hard to at first, but like, even if it's hard as a neurotypical person, can you imagine how hard it would be as a neurodivergent person? 
can you imagine how many times I've had to just keep quiet about it? Even though I was like literally like shaking with like how much I tingling even with how, with how badly I wanted to say, stop saying that. And then, you know, you get a little bit too angry or you have a little bit too much buildup and all of a sudden you're being sensitive or all of a sudden you're not being able to take a joke anymore. You know, it's little intricacies like that. And that's only a small part of what it means to be neurodivergent. But on a social level, that's just my reality. So that's the first thing you can do (laughs) is like just call people out on it. You know, and the second thing you can do is actually be an advocate right actually advocate for folks you know it's not enough to go on instagram and post on your story autism speaks is a hate group we know all right it's not enough to post the infinity rainbow symbol it's not enough to just say stuff right because like i said earlier i'm at the point where i'm done with people saying stuff i'm ready to see like what you mean (laughs) like i'm ready to see action on behalf of some people and if no action is taken, then that's kind of solidified in my cynical ass brain. Like, oh, you weren't actually, you don't actually care. And unfortunately, there are some people that don't care if we live or die. There are some people who don't care that they commit to erasure of disabled people. And so it is painful to internalize that. And to be honest, I'm on a journey where I'm trying not to, because part of internalizing stuff like this is just perpetuating it. And, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of admitted that to myself and making efforts to, to stop doing that, to like unlearn that. And so maybe that's something else that people can do is just realize, like, like, be honest with yourself. Are you maybe contributing to ableism a little bit? And if you are, how are you doing that? And once you know how you're doing that, what can you do to stop (laughs) What can you do to stop? What can you do to, you know, show up for disabled people? Not to steal the mic from them, not to take the spotlight, but to be an ally. You want to be an ally so bad, now's your chance, you know? But, you know, again, I think it's just um, a day today. It is a day. <laughs> um honestly i think i'm gonna end it there i know that this episode was so short potentially for what it was um i honestly had a lot more to talk about but there's also quite a bit of information that i want to save for next month because next month is disability pride month and that's the time that we really need to be taking to center you know disabled people because i guess people just don't know about that month and like what happens during that month um so that's definitely something i want to do and also next week i am potentially asterisk 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 organizing for another guest to come on so fingers crossed very big deal if it does happen i will let you know if not then you will know when i release it um but either way that is gonna be it for this week again sorry it's so short it felt really short i don't know why um but you know i really appreciate everybody listening i appreciate everybody supporting i appreciate you i appreciate you so much and hopefully you know you take this info this week and like 
tr- apply it to your own life or like examine within yourself, you know, what are you doing or like, what could you do differently? I know I've got to do that on several different levels with several different identities. I just want to leave you with that and leave you with the fact that we're not alone. You're not alone and that will be okay. 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 Um, yeah, um, that's going to be it. Thank you again, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Bye.